Hello and welcome to the Telehealth OT podcast where occupational therapists, parents, caregivers, and patients share their telehealth stories. My name is Dr. Reina Oliveira and I am the owner of Telehealth OT Services where we specialize in working with children with autism and also provide education and trainings to occupational therapists about telehealth. I have been able to share my story with the world and now I am extremely happy to give others the opportunity to do the same. Our guest here today is Lauren Minicello. Did I pronounce that right? Yep. Awesome. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you so much for doing this. So just to give you guys a little bit of a preview, I am a part of an autism and homeschooling group here on Facebook, and I just put out a feeler to see if anybody had had experience with occupational therapy via telehealth. And Lauren spoke up and said, yes, I did. And I said, hey, do you want to be on the podcast? And she said, yes. And so now here we are. Thank you so much for being here. Tell us Thank a you little for making bit, this. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your child. How old is your child and how long have they been getting OT? My son is five-year-old school. He's on the spectrum. Um, he's been getting OT services since October 2016 when he was um, 19, 20 months old. Uh, we have gone through early intervention. We're in Pennsylvania, so we transitioned from birth to three to three to five. Um, I know it's different state by state. He received his autism diagnosis when he was two and a half. We continued with OT services through currently. Um, once COVID happened, we're in Pennsylvania, we're all in red. We moved from in-person services to OT telehealth, and it was a bit of a an experience, telehealth, um, sorry, rather OT is my son's uh, biggest problem area. Mm. Uh, we have a lot of escape maintained problems over fine motor work. And he also has a hard time accepting no and being flexible at times. So bringing OT back home from school, cause it was home birth to three, and then it was moved back into the schools when he was, um, once he was three into five, and so now we're the ones actively working on everything again. We've worked the whole time through, since we started intervening on our own. Um, but now we're doing it with the guidance of our OT. And it's pretty awesome. Awesome. So I hear you're saying intervening. I hear you saying all these words. How do you know about all this? Has it just been from your experience with your son or what's your background? So I've been in the field of ABA since 2004. I have worked predominantly with kids with autism. I've worked uh, birth to three up till adulthood. Uh, my passion is for really good life skills and helping individuals find their passion and become more flexible humans and have a really good meaningful quality of life. I love that. You're speaking our language. I'm sure all the OTs listening right now are super excited to hear you say that. Um, I won't get into the ABA versus no ABA debate. No, nope, I understand. Because, that, <laughs> because that's a huge topic. Work. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you did mention school. So was he getting push-in or pull-out services for occupational therapy in the school? So... 
we're in a unique position where we can create exactly what we want for him. So when he was in school, it was a combination of push in, pull out. We didn't create a mandatory minimum or maximum of either of those. Um, we had actually transitioned between providers uh, about two months before COVID. Our one OT who'd been with him since um, October 2016 was going out on maternity leave for baby number four. And wow. so we needed a new OT. And so a colleague has an agency I really like. And I reached out to her and she said, I can help you. She's like, except it won't be me. I'm teaching this semester. Oh. And I said, that's oh. fine. I, I trust you. I trust your company. I know I'd be in good hands. And we've been really blessed to have um, an OT who was very new to telehealth and has joined us. Uh, in addition to joining us, we've really addressed problem behavior uh, that was huge. Um, we're not pro-academics, so mm -hmm. we work on all things about quality of life, including growing his leisure skills, because that's a pretty hot topic to me. I love that. And I, I've had a few people tell me that they're going to get me a coffee mug that says soft skills are the skills because that's my catchphrase for everything. Um, so we have goals like Alex will complete arts and crafts activities that are three to five steps and clean up while maintaining like an appropriate sense of regulation. I love that. It's functional. That is it's like super functional. Yes. So we, um, while Tele-OT was new to us. Uh, Tele was not new to us. Our SLP BCBA has been a remote clinician for us since December 2008. Um, so we've, we've had a nice hybrid model and we've mm. been able to do that. And one of the cool things is when COVID happened, she reached out because this is what she does and uh, remote has been her specialty for five years. And she said, do any of your providers need help? And then she created a social skills group for my son. And it's all the kids in his preschool that wanted to attend and they come and they join us. Um, and so we're able to really actively work on social skills and That's awesome. talking to peers and being able to work on things related to feature function in class and a lot of gameplay and teaching the rules of appropriate things. So now, our OT is going to hopefully join us one session or help us create some ideas for a session and everything from being able to like put in some tactile games to some cognitive games. So it's a lot of fun. And it's, this platform has opened up a lot for us. I love that. I love that. I love all the functional, functional, functional. That is like the one thing that I really stress to the new OT practitioners, especially those that are coming from school-based to home-based telehealth, to really focus on function in the home. And I'm loving that you're mentioning that that is like your focus too, yeah. because it's so important. And my son is, is not a quick learner. Um, it takes hundreds and sometimes thousands of trials to teach him. Mm -hmm. And it's okay, we'll keep working on it. And it really solidifies that, you know, it's one thing for me to read a note. It's one thing for me to even see a video but getting that real-time feedback from my clinicians while we're doing it is really great. And then working on the imitative piece that Tele gives us, mm -hmm. because one of the things we did was he could, imitation has always been tricky for him. 
Um, so we got him to imitate from his clinicians because those were people he knew and had a history of that with. Mm -hmm. And then we've been able to do really cool things now, like teach him to follow a model. Um, we happen to really like a lot of tag teaching, which if you're not familiar, it's teaching with acoustic guidance. Mm -hmm. So it's really quickly giving immediate information about what they're doing back to them. Like you got it. It's correct. Amazing. Um, and it gives that information in super real time. And so that's been one of the great things is because of telehealth, we were able to address some imitation concerns. And then we were able to bridge that, that skill from imitating a person immediately in front of you to imitating other people you don't know from a screen. And it's amazing. Wow. Wow. So I get a lot of questions about people asking like, you know, are the kids going to pay attention to the screen? Like, what is your answer to that? Like, has, how is the transition from in-person OT to telehealth OT? Um, it wasn't much of a transition, to be honest. Um, for because us, because you had the yeah prior history. Not much was changing, if that mm. makes sense. We were all like we're always working on things. Um, one of our clinicians made us write down in inventory how much time we work on things and even during a full school week we still put in at least 30 hours a week and that doesn't include like materials prep yeah um so for us it was just like it was shaping up his responses to being in front of a screen mm -hmm. the ipads are friend because we can put in guided access and it's really nice and then we were able to like systematically increase the length of time which was great and then we will prep him and um rt is amazing and she'll make videos in advance and then we'll preview them with him the night before for what we're doing look how we're using it looking over the materials and then the next day we'll come back to it we'll talk we'll say hi we'll review our expectations for services and we'll review the schedule and, you know, we start with our um, rules, which are, you know, helping hands, kind words, listening ears. Mm. And then we work on a little bit of breathing because imitation is hard for him. And then we get into whatever we're working on. And then we'll usually bring that video back that we'd watched the night before that she so beautifully made and then review that and then put it in. Um, we did need to start with really specific reinforcement at first. Um, for us, that looked like a token board mm. and just catching them being good and catching him when he was sitting or standing and listening and being kind of calm. And so we, we heavily reinforced to start and then we were able to feed that. So it looked a lot more natural. Mm. Um, so we do utilize some visual supports in the creation of a schedule for him. Um, we go through what the materials are and we use a lot of video modeling in addition to the telehealth now. And I think even once COVID is over, I think a lot of these tools that we've picked up are going to continue. Yeah. So you mentioned 30 hours. Is that 30 hours of screen time or is that just 30 hours of you working with him? Just me and my partner working with him. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, so how much screen time do you know, like in total with, your allowance of iPad time and therapy time. So this is the first time in his life he's ever gotten electronics. Um, <laughs> we were incredibly screen light. 
before this. Um, he wasn't acquiring any skills. Be and so then we were very conscious about limiting even background TV. Mm. And, you know, we, we use, we use technology as a reinforcer, like he'll get, you know, YouTube for a blood draw. Um, but we were very screen light and very screen cautious. Um, so when we put a number to it, now he's allowed to have, well, we have our Zooms. And so we're in front of a screen about 15 hours a week now, mm -hmm. which is weird, but it's really interactive and he's moving and grooving. So it's, I don't know, it's interactive screen time then. Yeah, yeah. And then our non-Zoom time, um, we've created a few instructional videos for him and he maybe gets those 15 to 30 minutes three or four times a week okay. and it's yoga videos and stuff that has him moving yeah yeah stuff that has a moving groove in it because that's that's his love language eating and moving yeah so that's how we kind of keep the best of both worlds um we're very pragmatic we keep checklists we don't hold ourselves to a crazy schedule uh, a lot of things are just done within the interest of what's going to give us all the best quality of life um, we have after covid we need some time where it's just kind of decompression time and that's the time that he's now allowed to watch tv um, mm -hmm. we've shaped up him enjoying a couple of kids programming thanks yeah. daniel tiger and yeah, i love daniel tiger oh my gosh <laughs> so it's it's a great show and so he has a few shows he really likes that and octonauts and he's discovered old school scooby-doo yes and so it's fun so it's like he'll have at least an hour a day of just no demands do your thing right chill um and then we try to take everything we're doing from otpt speech and apply it throughout the day mm. You're amazing. <laughs> Can I just say that? Like, you're the I, ideal mom that I want to work with. Like, they're only little for a little. Yeah. Um. So I wanna, I wanna hit hard, and I've never, I've been doing this a long time. I've never had a parent say, "I wish I didn't work as hard." So, yeah. I, there's a reason I do what I do, and I'm really blessed to have had some brilliant families over the years that have given me perspective in this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the time will come that hopefully he can learn without direct instruction, but we're not there yet. And so since we're not there, we're just going to keep teaching. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I absolutely love the homeschooling community. I love parents like you who are already have made the decision to be that teacher, like to be their child's teacher, to be their child's therapist, even after the official time ends and you just keep going because that's the only way that they're going to progress. Yeah. Generalization's huge, you know. Huge. Yeah. hundred percent. So you mentioned a little bit about the OT sessions and you have these videos. What else does like the session look like? What else does your OT session look like? So I can actually walk you through it. So we say hello. We might talk about something we did before, whether it be, hey, I just said speech before. And then we talk about what the rules are. Um, we'll do a little bit of breath work. Um, so we're playing with um, 
breathe like bear some of the mindfulness pieces um and there's a book i think it's called listening to my body mm -hmm. and so we're trying to to teach some things um about being able to do a little bit of that mindfulness piece um sort of as a precursor to some interoception skills because that's a big one on our list to attack i was and just about to ask you then we we kind of transition into the activity. Um, so for breath work, that might look like um, him blowing bubbles into a bubble volcano. It might look like breathing along with a Hoberman sphere that uh, gets bigger and smaller as you breathe. Yep. Um, we've tried out a few other breathing things that haven't quite hit the mark yet. He needs to see a visual and he does best if there's a visual and a sound component. Mm. Have you done like the infinity one? No. I love that one. There's like, it's like an infinity loop and they're supposed to like trace it with their finger and breathe in and out. Like, you know, when you get to the X, you change your breath. Oh, that's I fun. think there's YouTube videos on there too. And we've also played with um, a little bit of metronome work while the mm -hmm. OT sessions the are going just as that like prompt to keep breathing. Cause he goes through phases of holding his breath if he's concentrating too hard. So during OT, we'll usually hit about three activities. Sometimes it's only two, especially if we can get a lot of play going on. Um, we did have a lot of problem behavior in the start, uh, which isn't new to my son. And then it's flowing now so that he'll actually work for 45 minutes to an hour. Wow. Um, so we okay. do about three things. We do take like breath breaks in between activities. We do check in with our bodies, see how we're feeling. Um, so usually... So last week's theme was ice cream. And on Tuesday, we did ice cream with um, an ice pie. And so we put in some directions like, okay, let's find this. And then using our dot markers to cover them. And then we played with pom-poms. And we have uh, ice cream cones that go with uh, kinetic sand. Mm. Um, so we filled up our ice cream cones so with pom-poms and we use tweezers to get that. And then we've played with, um, oh, what was the other one we did? We did a coloring one and underneath our colors, we put the coloring, uh, squares mm -hmm. that give that feedback and yeah, make that yeah, sound, yeah. the rubbing plates. Um, and then we jumped to, uh, the last thing which I gave him as a surprise was we made ice cream with our OT. And so he poured the ice cream formula, which was just mangoes and a little almond milk into the Ziploc bag. Then we practiced closing it. And inside that went into a bigger Ziploc bag with ice, ice. and salt. And he was the one that was scooping the things in. And then we closed it again and then we shook it. Um, practice counting, practice following a direction. Um, and then he got to ask me for help to finish shaking it. Then we got to pour it, get a spoon and eat it. And it was amazing. Um, so awesome. That was one session. We've done some, we try and keep it thematic. Mm -hmm. uh, we've done a lot of color play because that's pretty valuable for him. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of arts and crafts are not preferred it yet. Mm. So we're working to really shape it up and showing him that it's not the end of the world and it's okay to keep doing this. And then coincidentally, when you're working on those things, we're using rock crayons to work on that really nice um, 
hand posture. Yeah. So like he's got, so he gets to work on this. We're reinforcing him for coloring. So it's a nice combination of leisure skills and fine motor and reinforcing him for being good and catching him being good. And it's all the good things. I love it. Those sessions sound amazing. So do you, so you have all this equipment at home, right? So some of the things that OTs will ask me is like, you know, do the parents have the supplies? Like, did anyone send you anything or you just had it or the OT asked you what to get or talk to me about like how the supplies and setting up for an activity goes? So we've done it both ways. Um, sometimes we'll plan something in advance where we have to get a supply. Um, other times she'll be like, tell me what you have. Mm. And then she'll send me like a couple of Pinterest things. She's like, we need this, this, and this. And she'll be like, do you have them all? And I'm like, no. And then we might troubleshoot what we have instead. Okay. Um, so, so does we, it look like a phone call or an email? We text a lot. Okay. We do. Um, because that's just the fastest because it'll be like, I saw this. What do you think? I yeah. saw this. Do you think he'll hate it? Um, Painter's tape is our friend. <laughs> Painter's tape allows us to do a great many things. Um, we do have a nice variety of supplies. Um, there's one educational company that I find that their toys take the best abuse than some of the other ones. And my son is not gentle. Mm-hmm. So we've definitely had to replace things over the years. Um, and sometimes it's over the weeks um, as they break. But it's fun to find um, to find tools that really work for him and yeah. can work to improve his grasp and can help to increase his endurance with activities. I love that. That's awesome. Um, what else? So, oh, how many times a week is he getting OT? Two to three. Two to three. Okay. And I think one of the biggest questions too, which we talked about briefly before I started recording, is about like funding source and insurance. So can you talk about how that looks like in your family? Sure. So we have a unique situation um, set up that I can't quite go into full detail about, but um, every child's entitled to free and appropriate education. If those needs aren't being met, there are advocates you can reach out to to help you navigate that journey and to getting your child the free and appropriate education that they're supposed to be getting. Um, occasionally, it works out that. Um, the funding source, your child's school district can't meet their needs and it's proven. And in those situations, you can create something a little bit different or create something that really works for the needs of your child. Mm. Okay. So that's, so you're not going through insurance. We are not going through insurance. Um, Does the money come out of pocket from you first and then you get reimbursed or it's not coming through you at all? So, and this is where it's a little funky because we can't quite entirely say, but it's every family is unique. Um, We have the option of of putting out and then getting reimbursed, Um, but it all depends on on. the the arrangement that you have. Gotcha. So, you know, being able to work with like an advocate and really helping to figure out what's available and what your kid needs. Mm -hmm. Um, For us, this was a big reminder that even though we're working on it all the time, even during school, we need 
the providers there sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so for us, that might look like the providers are remotely there with us. Um, So in terms of funding, you know, whether you're homeschooling or not, and I know that homeschooling can look so different depending who you are and what your needs are. Um, Mm -hmm. I I have a passion for homeschooling. Um, I think that parents can be one of their children's best teachers. Yes. And, you know, for parents who have maybe been failed, because real talk, you know that parents sometimes homeschool because their child was failed. Yep. Yeah, um, more often than not, I would say. I agree. From what I've experienced anyway. Yeah. In the forums um, and everything, I've seen a lot of people say, the school system is failing my child, so I think I want to pull them out. I think I want to homeschool. I hear that more often than the latter. And I think it's sad and scary. I yeah. um, The ability for a kid to get the education they need, and I'm just talking about appropriate. I'm not saying best right now. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be this hard yeah. to access the appropriate education. We have so much knowledge. There is money. And we just need to get better about training staff and helping parents be the ones to do it and helping families recognize when it's a matter of let's help figure out what you want yeah, (laughs) because that's important. Sometimes it's a matter of let's help you guys figure out how to practice it because you're better off just setting aside a few minutes that has a clear beginning, middle and end to work on it and then be all done instead of have the guilt, instead of have all the other stuff. So that's, I think, huge. Um, But it's, you know, free and appropriate education is real. And we have the ability to make sure that that happens. Um, You'd said that you're in Florida, and I know that uh, you guys have a lot of services down there, but there's a lot of variability. Let's be honest, there's a lot of variability everywhere. Yeah. Real talk. Um, so sometimes it's hard to navigate it. Sometimes it's overwhelming, especially with all the acronyms and stuff like that. But there's always a way. So, you know, if we were going to go through insurance, what we would have done is made a list of all the providers that take our insurance and then gone through the, and read through their reviews and then checked out any published research they have. Um, that's how I tend to like to find providers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when families are doing this, they might be doing it through insurance. Um, I don't know what the universities are doing, but when it's not COVID, we can usually access some free services through the local universities and colleges and utilizing their students who are learning. And it's safe because they're being directly supervised. Yes. Um, so it's, you know, there's a lot of options. Um, and sometimes I think an option we forget about is us parents getting trained by the professionals and doing it so that we are checking in with them mm-hmm. on some kind of regular schedule so that if it's, if you're paying directly out of pocket, you're learning how to do this. So you're not just paying somebody else to do it. But you're really able to do it. And I think it makes the money stretch the best. Which is, which is my practice model. And I say I use a parent coaching model 
and I teach the parents what to do, what I would do if I was in their home. And that is, I will not take on a parent who doesn't want to learn from me and who doesn't want to implement what I'm suggesting. And discharge to me is not whether the child has met the goal or not, is whether the parent feels confident and comfortable providing those intervention strategies. Because you're right, that's that's much better. Yeah, and, and you know, like I'm I'm his parent. I'm there all day, every day. Yeah, you're the expert. So, you're the expert on your child. Can you get the like medical doctors to realize that? <laughs> I feel everybody so listen. Everybody. Um, I and I think I've just been really fortunate that I've had such strong parent training consultants in our lives. Um, to help bridge the gap. Um, because while I happen to have a certain skill set, I need that objective set of eyes. Yeah. And I need that person to be like, hey, like, I noticed things didn't go great. But did you notice that they did it this many times? Or even though they didn't like it, they completed it independently, they started it without any whining. And mm -hmm. sometimes I need that outside observer to be like, to remind me of the progress we're seeing. Yeah. I just interviewed um, another guest who is an OT who provides telehealth, but she has a separate OT for her children because it's hard for you to see from the OT lens what's going on with your own family. And so it's nice to have that perspective from someone else. They're going to tell you how they see it differently. I mean, I remember pricing out back before my son had a diagnosis and it would have been for us to get outside services of what I provide, minimally a thousand to two thousand a month, and I was just like, "Nope." Yeah, we'll come back to that. Um, and then things changed a little bit when he got a diagnosis, and we had a lot of hiccups, and it was really hard, and it, it was so hard, and then you know, we got back to this nice middle ground where it's back to the parent coaching model. Yeah. And, you know, we were, we always have a dialogue going with our providers, but this has brought it to a new level that even when life gets normal-ish again, I would like to keep some of the tele in our world because it really opens up and that line of communication and closes the gap in terms of like continuity of services. Yeah. And I love that you said that. I did not ask any of my guests before any of the parents I'm going to be interviewing, starting with Lauren um, this week, if they love or hate telehealth, because I want to know your real thoughts, like your real feelings about telehealth. It's not for everyone, in my opinion, um, but I'm glad to hear that you like it and that you've been having a positive experience. Now that's it. I only have one child. If I had multiples, I don't know if it would be equally as favorable. Mm. Um, but it also point. depends on like on the gaps. Like my brother and I are 18 years apart. I was able to take him to his speech sessions. Yeah. Because um, I was 19. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like it was fine. Right. Um, but if it, you had like you know, two little ones close in age, the other ones running around and then. Yeah, I think like as a parent, and having to make decisions, I think I would then ask my providers to help me figure out how to 
scaffold it so that both kids are doing the same things at the same time. And I recognize that the other child is not your client. No, but, but it's a family unit. And client, I tell this to everyone. Yeah. yeah, no, the family your is your client successful. We need to have this other one handled. Right. So I think looking at it from that lens, I think I would say, help me plan. And if they were close in age, that plan would say, how do I give them some of the materials? And do I just get double of everything? Are we taking this from turn taking? And stuff like that. And I would likely also probably do a lot more videoing and sending it to them for feedback. Mm, Uh, Like so the asynchronous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've, uh, we've used and are kind of going back to some more of that asynchronous videoing for a few skills that we're working on. And it's even nice for me to be able to review the data and data in this case being the video mm-hmm. and seeing like, Oh, what could I have done better? Oh, I, I miss reinforcing him for that. And that's, you know, it's a really nice thing to have because even if your data is slow to change, you can look back at something that happened three months ago and you're like, Wow. Like the quality is just better. And these really nuanced things are so much better because we went from like maybe 15 minutes of participation in March with my son to now he's doing 45 to the whole hour. That's amazing. So, you know, slow and steady, follow through and let them know, like, let your providers tell you, like parents, tell your providers what you're not comfortable with. Providers ask your families what you they're not comfortable with because nobody's asking them that. I love that. So, you know, and it's hard. Um, so for those families who are used to it, I think it's a little easier for those parents who are new to it and maybe it's COVID inspired. Um, I think just opening the door to some more gentle feedback and some more dialogue about what's comfortable because it matters. Um, in my really opinionated opinion, it matters. No, I love that. I love that. One of the first questions I tell, well, I was coaching OTs to say, especially now in COVID, is asking the families, what are you struggling with? Number one, like don't put all your OT goals aside and just say, what are you struggling with? How can I help you? And you're going to, your interventions are going to come from that. And I think that's so much more powerful than creating like your own plan in your own head about what you think it's supposed to look like. Oh my God. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. I, um, I joke that I started a few years ago taking a a list, making two lists. And the first list was whatever the deficits were, but the second list, more important list was all the really good skills Mm -hmm. and then take those really good skills and use those to teach what needed some help. Exactly. And it's, it's really created a nice reframe, especially when I can like talk with families like, Hey, look, they're really good at this. So let's use that. And like, that's our way in to teach it. Mm-hmm. Love that. All right. So let's wrap up. What is your number one piece of advice for a family who was in your situation or is just struggling with getting services? Where do they go to first? So it depends on their age. Um, so for parents of little babies who are not hitting their milestones, you start with your early intervention provider in your area. 
Um, if you are a resident of any of the states in the US, you automatically have early intervention. Um, if they're telling you your child's not getting it, but they're still not hitting things, you ask for help. A lot of states have some free advocacy resources for you. Um, and then for those who are over three, you check through what's provided through FAPE in your area, free and appropriate education. Um, so that would be IDEA. And you would help, you know, find an IEP for your child based on their diagnosis and whatever needs they have. And then working with that. For insurance, if I was looking for that, I would be taking my insurance information and then looking through the providers available and seeing what their specialties were and checking if they have any research. And then if I was doing it through the IDEA educational world, I would be making sure that the goals in that IEP reflect what's important to me as a family. Um, now again, I said I, I have a real soft spot for soft skills because your ability to be flexible and turn tape and deal with loosely structured time for what's gonna give your family the best quality of life. So I would be looking to make sure that that IEP is reflective of your child and the environment in which they live. Mm -hmm. And those would be my, my first steps. Um, and asking for help um, to navigate that if you're unsure or if it's just too overwhelming. I love that. Thank you so much. I think parents are going to love this advice. And I'm so happy that I found you, that you found me. And I appreciate it. And I want to just thank you for taking the time to coming on the show. Thank you. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks. You too. Take care. Bye. Bye. If you're an occupational therapist and you want to know more about telehealth, be sure to join the Telehealth OT Facebook group for more information. I'll catch you on the next episode.